Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, September 23rd, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer, Y Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. Okay, so last night was the Emmy Awards. I I did not watch it, but Brad, you were manning the desk and updating uh, the winners for the site. So what 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 is the outcome of the Emmy Awards for 2019? Uh, well, the Emmys were bad. Uh, the show itself was just not good, and that's not to say award shows are usually very uh, entertaining or great, but this one just felt like it was really subpar. Uh, not having a host this year didn't work nearly as well for the Emmys as it did for the Oscars. Uh, and the show just felt like it was clumsy and the writing wasn't clever and it was just overall very lame and weird too, because they, they tried doing this thing where they had a, a video, video clips introduce all of the nominees and then they had the presenter come out and just present the award. So I'm not sure what the reason for that is or why that was even considered or if it was supposed to help speed up the show or what. But Wait, wait. So the presenter just came on stage to say a name, to open an envelope and say a name? 
Yeah, yeah, like they 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 did like a, a little a little bit like they usually do, you know, during uh, awards presentation, and then they just announced the winner. That's all the presenters did. The all the nominees were like, um, with exception of a, a few instances, were announced by the clips. That does sound bad. Yeah, it was it was very silly. So, um, but overall, the the winners, uh, the outcome for our some of our favorite TV shows was pretty good. Um, Game of Thrones came away with outstanding drama series, which was uh, kind of a surprise because it seemed like the show might mostly get shut out from winning any of the major awards because the only other key award it took home was for Peter Dinklage uh, for acting, and uh, and otherwise they it lost out on most of the other. Uh, major categories it did win 10 awards previously at the creative emmys the weekend before uh but then it came back from behind to take home the the biggest prize which really felt like it was more of a an award kind of in the same way that lord of the rings of return of the king ended up winning you know all those awards basically for the entire achievement of that uh film trilogy i think that this award really felt like it was for game of thrones overall um but the biggest showing uh and surprise from the entire uh, Emmy broadcast was Fleabag, uh, Amazon's comedy series created by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who also stars in it, executive produces it. It's a very big deal. Uh, won a ton of awards, including Outstanding Comedy Series. Phoebe Waller-Bridge won several awards herself for writing and acting. Uh, and it was just, it was a big night, and uh, especially because it upset favorites like Julia Louis-Dreyfus for Veep, uh, and even Veep itself, which was in its final season. Um so yeah, it was uh, a big night for uh, for some of our beloved shows. Barry also took home uh, some key awards, including Bill Hader getting lead actor in a comedy series. And yeah, what, what, was there any like huge upsets or things that we didn't expect or want to happen? Maybe one of the biggest surprises was uh, in the directing for a drama series category. Jason Bateman won for Ozark, which uh, again we're not really sure that anyone actually watches Ozark. Hey, uh, hey, I... hey! I've watched Ozark. <laughs> ben has watched Ozark. Ben has written and... off Ozark, but still. <laughs> but Would they, you but... say that his directing is the best directing, though? No, it, it is good, though. It is actually pretty good. Like you'd be surprised <laughs> right, right. Of, at, at Jason Bateman as a director, but I, I do agree that that is and, uh, ridiculous. It's, it's, and it's crazy because they, uh, Jason Bateman beat out three other uh, director nominations for separate Game of Thrones episodes. Uh, and so maybe that's a testament and kind of a slap in the face to Game of Thrones a little bit, like kind of showing them, hey, this last season wasn't so great, so we're going to give this award to some, somebody else. But but it could have been also that they split the vote. Do you know what I mean? That, no, and, that, and that's very true, too. That That's actually what a lot of uh, people think, too, because Game of Thrones had multiple nominees in a lot of categories, including the uh, the acting categories. And it's very likely that people who love Game of Thrones were split on who should uh, get the award. And that's likely why we ended up with the the winners that we did. Okay, so this isn't quite a surprise, but a big snub for me, of course, was Amy Adams in the acting category for Best Actress for Sharp Objects. I honestly think it's one of her best roles in her career, and she has been snubbed time and time again by both the Oscars, the Emmys, most award shows. So it's not a surprise again, but it's just a who, who, who beat her out though. Uh, beat her out for Best Actress was, I think. Oh, was it Julia Garner in Ozark? Well, Sharp Objects was limited series, right? Oh, it was limited oh. series. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, Sharp so... Object. Oh, Sharp Objects was um, limited series was Michelle Williams for Fosse Verdon. Ah, uh, 
Um, okay. Well, there, there's there's that. Uh, I guess after seeing all this, I, I guess I'm going to have to finally watch Fleabag, guys. It's so good, Peter. <laughs> I it's know. so well written. And I, you know, I've talked about it enough, but yes, watch it. I mean, I like uh, Phoebe. I've, you know, I loved her in Solo. I, I liked uh, her other show, that spy show. What's that called? Um, Killing sh- Eve. Killing Eve, which I know is not as much of a comedy. Uh, so I think I'm going to have to check this out event- uh, eventually. Once I, you know, I'm going to put it on the list. Um, but okay, so that does it for the Emmys. Uh, you can read the whole list of winners and losers on SlashFilm.com. I will link that in the show notes. Uh, let's talk about Star Wars. Uh, there's going to be a new comic book that reveals Kylo Ren's dark side origins. And the writer of that book uh, apparently warns fans that they are not going to be happy with this. They're not going to be satisfied. What do we know, HD? Yes. I think he's uh, kind of taking a sort of cautious steps for fans because uh, he is writing The Rise of Kylo Ren, which is a four-part Marvel comic book series that's debuting in December. And he gave some teases about this comic book. He talked about how this series will go into the tragic story of Ben Zillow and his uh, path to the dark side. But he did warn fans um, that this that everyone here might not be very happy with the choices that he made. Um, and I think that it's more along the lines of Star Wars fans being very passionate and any choices that are a little radical tend to get some blowback uh, amongst the fandom. And he's kind of uh, getting a little bit preemptive there in terms of any potential blowback. But we don't know exactly what these choices will be. Um, but he said this is a story about Ben Solo and understanding some of the choices he made. So perhaps it'll we'll see we'll have to see when this uh, issue the first issue hits um, December fourth. It's so interesting that they're doing this as a comic book series because this, it feels like it could be a movie. Like they're like that whole point in his life. I mean, I guess they don't have Carrie Fisher, and that would be hard to tell that story without her. And I'm sure Harrison Ford doesn't want to come back as well. But, um, you know, that whole story dynamic, the the Knights of Ren, you know, Snoke coming in, uh, all that, I feel like, you know, Luke training at the Jedi Temple, like, I feel like Kylo Ren's path, his origin story, it's probably very interesting, but I guess probably we thought that about Anakin's story after we saw the original <laughs> trilogy. So maybe maybe it's a bad idea to, to make that into a movie. Yeah, and um, Star Wars origin stories haven't done so well at the box office lately, as yeah. you might have seen with Solo, a Star Wars story. And um, I think that maybe Disney is kind of playing it more close to the chest with these kind of things, especially since we already know where the end results will be. I just wonder how much control this writer – who's the writer? Is that it's Charles Soule? Yes, Charles yeah. Soule. Uh, I wonder how much creative control he even has with this because J.J. Abrams is still like, you know, editing and reshooting The Rise of Skywalker. You know, th- things can dramatically change in mm-hmm. Kylo Ren's origin story based on what he goes with in that movie i feel like it's gonna be more i I think by him saying that fans are gonna be it's not gonna please all fans i I think he's probably hinting this is my interpretation i think he's probably hinting that it's probably not gonna give us all the answers (laughs) 
because yes and he is still beholden to the um star wars the lucasfilm story group as well so i think that everything will be under sort of that jurisdiction um and maybe yeah maybe it is a hint at what's going to happen with star wars the rise of skywalker who knows because we still haven't yet seen all of kylo ren's origin we got a glimpse of it in last jedi but maybe we'll get more of it in um in uh, Rise of Skywalker, which could potentially chart a redemption path for him. Who knows? Brad, would you have liked to have seen a Kylo Ren origin movie? Uh, not particularly. I, I'm fine with just that being something that is relegated to the side stories and comics and books. I feel like we know everything we need to know uh, about Kylo Ren's origin story, just from The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and, you know, like you said, the last time we got an origin story of uh, a main villain like this, we got the the Star Wars prequels. And, uh, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, let's talk about Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, who are going to lead a musical reimagining of A Christmas Carol. Brad, would we know? Yes, there have been countless adaptations of A Christmas Carol over the years. Too many to count, even. Uh, ranging from classic uh, traditional adaptations starring George C. Scott to The Muppet Christmas Carol and Scrooge with Bill Murray. Uh, the most recent one was Robert Zemeckis's uh, crazy motion capture computer animated uh, movie with Jim Carrey and Gary Oldman playing multiple roles. And now we'll get uh, a musical movie based on the classic Charles Dickens story. Uh, this time it will have Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds starring. We don't know uh, which We'll be playing uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, which will be playing Bob Cratchit. If you had to guess, it would probably be Will Ferrell playing Ebenezer Scrooge. He, he's older. Um, but because of the talent involved with this thing and it being called a, a reimagining, I wouldn't be surprised if this was maybe a more modern take on the story, something like Scrooge that takes place in contemporary society. Um, but we, we just don't know uh, many of the details as far as how this will uh, play out. But we do know it'll probably be a little bit at least a little bit less traditional because of the talent involved behind the camera. Uh, and that's Sean Anders and John Morris. Uh, they're a writing duo best known for scripting movies like Daddy's Home and We're the Millers. Uh, Sean Anders had, has directed movies like That's My Boy. Uh, they've also written things like She's Out of My League and whatnot. Uh, they can be a hit or miss sometimes with comedy. They're, they're usually pretty decent, though, as a duo. And they're uh, writing and directing this time. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was something that was maybe a little bit more edgy, possibly R-rated. Uh, Farrell and Reynolds are both producing through their respective production banners, as is uh, Mosaic, which could possibly be worrisome simply because uh, Mosaic, uh, have the, Mosaic has been producing Will Farrell's movies for a long time because that, that's his management company that represents him. Uh, but they most recently produced Holmes and Watson, which did not turn out very well. And I hope I hope that A Christmas Carol doesn't turn out to be, uh, you know, a a more classic version of the story that has that modern comedic sensibility because it, it just really fell flat with Holmes and Watson. And there might be a way to do it right, uh, but given the the recent performance of that particular movie. Uh, it, it would make me concerned if that were the case. Wait, I have an idea. I have an idea. Uh, what if we get Jim Carrey to play all the characters through performance capture technology? He he can play all the characters. See, Peter, we already talked about this, and that was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't – like, I feel like this story has been told so many times that nobody gives a crap. Like, HD, am I wrong? I know you're a, the big book reader here. This is a classic story. Uh, like – but do 
do kids, do millennials even care about A Christmas Carol? I mean, I liked it when I first read the Dickens version, but yeah, it's been retold time and time again. I think there are like, there are some fun twists on it. I like Scrooge. Um, I like the Doctor Who version of A Christmas Carol. Um, so there are fun ways of just kind of redoing this story for modern times. But with this take, I don't think it'll be offering anything new to it. Yeah. But it's a musical, and it's, <laughs> and, it could, and it could be some some big old raunchy comedy. Fun. Wait, <laughs> is there any like record of a comedy musical that has been really good, like in movie? I, I know there's obviously like on TV there is, but South South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anything else? A comedy uh, musical comedy musical uh movies um like i feel like you don't really usually get comedy and musical together yeah the, like the there's pro- some more comedic the, moments the, sure. the producers oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah uh, maybe yeah. this could be like the producers be a success in that aspect i i don't I think hope, so i hope so we'll see yeah, we'll see. Uh, during the Emmy Awards last night, they did premiere a new trailer for El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, which is just a horrible title for a film. <laughs> but uh, I, I do understand that you have to make people aware that it is a Breaking Bad movie. Um, and uh, HC, you wrote this up for the site. What did you think of the new trailer? Yes. Well, trailer is kind of a generous word for this because it's a very short one-minute clip, a little less than one minute, actually, that just shows kind of the aftermath of uh, the series finale of Breaking Bad. It shows Aaron Paul's uh, Jesse Pinkman in a car as he's listening to a news broadcast that basically recaps the um, the, the slaughter, the, the shooting of all of the Nazis who had kept him captive. Yeah. And um, he smokes a cigarette, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's, it, it's great to see him again it is good to see him again and it kind of like has a slow reveal of him even though we know it's him but like it doesn't really tell us much about what this movie is going to be well it tells us all we need to know is that it's about jesse pinkman our favorite suffer boy on the <laughs> run uh and also uh, i guess another breaking bad actor has confirmed he if he'll appear in the film yes um, so we know that you know Aaron Paul is returning as well as his previous cohorts, Matt Jones as Badger and Charles Baker as Skinny Pete. But a new The Hollywood Reporter cover story reveals that 10 familiar characters from the show are going to be returning, including Jonathan Banks. Hmm. So how how will Jonathan Banks be back for this this movie? Like, can you speculate in any way? Well, he, as you may remember, played Mike Ehrmantraut, and he said, this is actually an interview with ET Canada, he confirmed that he would appear and said, quote, they'll hit me in the head for saying this, but yes, why not? None of these guys hit very hard anyways. So, who knows? Because his character did die in the uh, fifth season of the series, spoiler alert. Um, So it's possible he'll be appearing in flashbacks, maybe in the same way that Brian Cranston's Walter White will possibly be appearing in flashbacks or as some sort of spectral vision as we have um, hypothesized. Yeah. It's, it's not a spoiler alert if you say spoiler alert after you spoil okay, You know what? <laughs> it occurred to me right after that it was a spoiler alert. It's been like 10 years, all right? Maybe yeah. less than 10 years. I, I think we're like past the, the period that we can openly discuss that someone died in Breaking Bad. But uh, yes. I'm sure we'll get an email otherwise. Um, okay. 
let's talk about our final story. This is something that uh, Chris wrote up, I think, last week. Uh, we just never got to it. It is about how moviegoers want fewer trailers before movies. Uh, Brad, what what, did, what do we know here? Uh, well, there was a poll that was recently conducted that found that, surprise, when you people who go to the movies just don't want to see that many trailers when they go to see movies because they just want to watch the movies that they paid to see. Uh, Hollywood Reporter highlighted this poll, found that nearly 6 in 10 Americans, roughly 59%, say that 1 to 3 trailers attached to a movie is an ideal number. Uh, only 21% of those who responded are in favor of watching 4 to 6 trailers, and then only 2% uh, would like to see 7 to 9 trailers attached to a movie. <laughs> 2% uh, of people want to see 9 trailers on a movie. Some, some people love trailers. Um, but I, no, I, I love trailers, but I think the, the, the sweet spot is like 3 to 5. I agree. Uh, and Because uh, I, I do think that the it's a little bit excessive once you start hitting between 15 and 20 minutes. And the standard nowadays is usually that. Um, and I, th- I think closer to 15 is probably what's preferable. AMC theaters... I know because that's the the chain that is nearest to me that I frequent most often. They pretty much always have exactly 20 minutes of trailers, and it starts to feel a little tiresome towards the end. Um, I, I don't mind it as much as others simply because even though I've seen a lot of the trailers that are already playing before these movies, I, I usually like to see how audiences react to the trailers to see if they're kind of uh, feeling the same vibe that we are here in you know uh, film blogging land. You know, Because sometimes we get, we can think that audiences are on the same page as we are, but can be a little bit out of touch from time to time because we're just so ingrained in the entertainment world. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where I I wouldn't mind if there were less trailers. I'm not upset if uh, at the current rate, but obviously uh, people want less of them. So I don't think that's going to change anybody's mind though, because uh, actually movie theaters are just looking to add more material before movies. We, we did another story recently where Regal Cinemas and Cinemark actually struck a deal with National Cinemedia to add more in-theater advertising. And it, these are commercials that would play in between some of the early trailers and the trailers that the studio attaches to the movie that are usually for films that the studio wants to promote with that particular movie. Okay, that's obnoxious. Yeah, it, it's it's not quite as bad as it sounds. They, they're basically they're going to have a single 30-second or 60-second uh, commercial spot that would play right before the attached trailers. Um, they think that it's a sweet spot for advertising, kind of like a uh, a premium Super Bowl spot in, in a movie theater, if you will, because by that by this point, most people who even arrive to the movies late have gotten there and will likely see this commercial. But I, I get worried because I hope that this isn't like a new trend where they're trying to pack more, you know, stuff in front of the movie. Uh, it's already to a point where theater chains uh, they have a pre-roll show that has advertising for TV shows and, you know, different businesses and companies and whatnot. And sometimes that pre-roll show is allowed to go five minutes into the showtime. And so that I'm, I'm just worried that we're going to get more of these commercials and it's just going to be, just feel like complete overload. Do, do you think like, I feel like as a kid, when we went and saw movies in the theater, we got at least three trailers, if not five which would be like 15 minutes of trailer. So I don't feel like we're getting more trailers now. Like I, I just feel like it's that pre-show entertainment that is now making it a little bit more obnoxious. Or um, I, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. And it's like, because you used to get to the theater early and you would just sit there and they would have maybe like 
slides that would advertise <laughs> local businesses, you know, and and would tell you like, "Hey, go see uh, Doctor Kilroy, your your dentist." <laughs> Uh, and stuff like that. And so now it's a full-blown like, oh, you want even more entertainment? Pow! Here's Maria Menounos talking about the third se- third season of whatever cowboy shows on CBS. <laughs> Brad, th- th- there's like every once in a while, like maybe once a week, there's something that like comes out of my mouth or I hear something that comes out of my friend's mouth that like makes me feel old. And the fact that you brought up that we used to sit in movie theaters and there would be slides on the screen... <laughs> makes me feel incredibly old but that was true and i didn't even remember that uh hg what what is the sweet spot for you for trailers like is five tra- is 15 minutes of trailers too much yes well <laughs> yes <laughs> wait there was some hesitation there well i was thinking that the 15 minutes offers me a nice buffer time when i am late to the movie which i frequently am but then when i'm on time as i've been doing more often because my friends get mad at me it's so long and i don't like that and i've seen all these trailers already because i write them up for the site and yes i know that a lot of people have not seen them yet and some people really enjoy the trailer going experience i used to really enjoy them but um 15 minutes is so long, and it just adds so much time to the end of a movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't look like it's changing. It looks like it's only going to get longer. Um, unless uh, moviegoers support like chains like Alamo D- Drafthouse, which don't even run any pre-show entertainment. They have, like I think, I think they showed three trailers before a movie or something like that. It's very minimal, whatever it is. They they show that, and then they have, like, their Alamo Drafthouse package of, like, promoting their upcoming events and stuff like that. Um, okay. Well, that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work and the stories we mentioned in today's show on SlashFilm.com. This podcast is published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow.